Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. The summer is behind us already. How did that happen? And I'm sure we can agree, it's been the strangest one ever. Thankfully, we have the return of football to provide much-needed normality as the nights draw in. To celebrate this, Beer 52 are generously offering free beer to you while watching your team from the comfort of your own home. They are offering eight craft beers, sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet, for free. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash chills and just cover the $5.95 for the postage. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to every month. Every month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea and all over the USA and Europe. As an independent British company, Beer 52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene, which they continue to support during this difficult period. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. Don't worry, though. If you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to beer52.com forward slash chels to get your first case of eight beers for $5.95. That's beer52.com forward slash chels. Welcome to the Chels. You know, I was thinking about titles for this week's show and looked to the weekend's football and reactions for inspiration. I was inspired by the feelings shared across social media, the calls for the manager to go, the cries that he's not up to it, the demands that enough is enough, people really losing it. And so I found my title, and I'm only saying what many of you are thinking. Guardiola out. Hello, Mr. Saunders. You're with me. You're the ice man of opinions to help me deal with white hot, white hot plethora of reactions we're getting across into the internet over this last week. Please let me know how you are and that everything is normal and sane at the moment. Fraudiola. Uh, yeah, I'm all right. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's all good. It's all good. You know, autumn's here, isn't it? We um. 
we pivot into a um, sort of autumn winter period where it's all about football, but it's all going to be a bit a, a bit weird, isn't it? It's all going to be a bit odd. Sort of coming to terms with with what it's going to be like over over this season. Uh, and we've spoken about it before, haven't we? The inability to go to games, the inability to kind of react, uh, interact with other people. So it's going to be really strange. But uh, all my focus will be on will be on the season now. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is odd, and we're just about to head into that two weeks international break, which I, I always hate the first international Stupid break. International break. Oh, it just drives me nuts. Are you an just... England fan? Do you are you like a big you know sort of you know wear your England shirt England fan? No, I mean, I'll support them and I'll want them to win, but do I go out of my way to watch a game? Invariably, I'll sit down, watch the game and go and do something else after about 10 or 15 minutes. Are you club Um, over country all the time? Yeah, yeah, unless it's the World Cup and then you get into the whole atmosphere of the, the tournament and support your team. But yeah, I mean, the problem for me, and I think I've said this before, is that I think the clubs are better teams than the internationals. In the old days when I was growing up, you know, there was that magic and the mystique of the foreign teams and the foreign players and the people you'd only heard of from distance and, you know, an international side you knew would smash your club side. Well, that's gone. That's changed. You know, I I would suggest that Chelsea in whatever form would beat an awful lot of international sides. and, And I think that's where the disparity is now for me. That There isn't the same, I don't know, level of um, uh, quality in the internationals that I think we're used to seeing week in, week out across the Premier League. Mm. No, I think that's that's very well put. And that's that's kind of how I feel as well, really. I don't really care until it's a major tournament because it's just so dull. It's just so boring. Um, and, you know, the lack of jeopardy, the lack of anything to play for until it's a, a sort of major tournament... Um, and you know, I, I admit I get excited in the Euros and and the World Cup as much as anybody else, but it's a fairly big waste of time. I don't get the sense that the players care as much about playing for their country as they used to. It used to be such a huge honour, um, and maybe it's it's coming back a little bit under Southgate. Maybe there is a sense of you know people being proud of playing for England. But, you know, you hear about clubs pulling players out or finding excuses for players not to play, and that never used to happen. So, I don't know. Well, stupid unless in, you're Ryan in, Giggs. Well, yeah, stupid <laughs> international break. That's what I say. Let's, you know, why, why are we halting the bloody, you know, the, the, the bloody Premier League after four games? Stupid. No, it's, 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 a, it's a very strange season already. You know, we're, we're finding incredible results across the board. Um, it's all getting going. There's, oh, are they going to be any good this year? Are they going to be any good? Oh, they're suddenly good. There's so much going on, and it just comes to a grinding halt. And, and really, the only jeopardy, you talk about jeopardy in internationals, the jeopardy in internationals is... Will our players all come back fit, or will they have mm. picked up an injury? And that's the the worst thing. When when you, I don't know how you feel, but there's nothing worse than one of your players coming back from international duty carrying a bad knock or something. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Anyway, it is what it is. Anyway, did you learn anything new this week? About what? Anything, anything um, in the world. That you've sprung that one on me. I'd I know. Give, I'd have to give that some thought. Um, okay, well, I, I learnt something this go week. Go on. I learnt to shuck an oyster. <laughs> that, that sounds wrong. <laughs> I had no idea. It was our local fishmonger had some oysters, and I, I was just thinking back to some of the finals and games that we've gone to in the past, and we've had oysters for breakfast just for the hell of it, you know, in the old days, a, a sign of, I don't know, um, well being. Um, and so I thought I'd get some for the weekend for the Chelsea game. Um, and they, well, it was amazing. They were huge things. They came from Colchester. And I said to my Glamorous. fishmonger, yeah, but amazing oysters if you like them. But anyway, the long and the short of it, my, my fishmonger said, oh, it's just easy. Get a blunt knife or a blunt object. Don't use a sharp one and just prise it open. Anyway, I tried this for about, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes. No joy, none whatsoever. So I went online and found some wonderful person, one wonderful chef taught me how to do it. And uh, I did it. 
and they were incredible. And so I now know how to shuck an oyster, which is what I've it's never called. E- I've never eaten an oyster. No, well, you're vegetarian anyway, aren't you? Yeah, but I mean, even when I wasn't, it's like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know where to get them and and how to. Do you eat them raw? I mean, what do you do? Cook them? How does <laughs> no. it work? No, you you open them up, yeah. you um, detach it from the shell. You put in lemon, salt, pepper, a little bit of Tabasco, maybe a, a little bit of shallot, and then you you just literally pour it down from the shell. And um, do you chew it? Yeah, right. yeah, they're beautiful tasting. There's a lot of people say, "Oh, you should never chew them." That's just nonsense. Um, no, I, I, I like shellfish. Um, the, these were fantastic and, and fabulous. But that's what you do. That's the process. So yes, you you can cook them, but you know they just turned into a, sort of like a, a lumpy thing. Um, they, they, they are fantastic. If if you like shellfish. They are extremely, extremely wonderful things well, to eat. Th- that's, the, I think, one of the weirdest rabbit holes we've ever been down, Kerry. <laughs> hey, you know I can take you there. But, um, OK, well, look. Well, let's I like the get... fact you called it my fishmonger as well, as if you have a personal fishmonger. Well, I do. It doesn't work for anyone else, darling. <laughs> 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 all right, look, we better, better move on. So <laughs> this was also the week where Edward Mendy signed for us. Um, mm. Not a big surprise. Uh, but how did you feel when we finally got over the line? Because it did seem protracted, didn't it? Well, you said that last week. I, look, all transfers are protracted these days, I think. They just, mm. take, they just take ages. I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, sort of bumps in the road before you get a, a final signature. Oh, well, great. I mean, it's great that we got a new goalkeeper, but man, we need one. That's the thing. You know, I'm, I'm so pleased to see that we have a new goalkeeper. I don't know anything about him. I've never seen him play either live or on telly. Don't literally don't know anything about him. I mean, all I hope is that he is able to come for crosses and dominate a penalty area. So hopefully we'll see that in, in the near future. But no, I mean, good news that we've got a, good, uh, a new goalkeeper. Yeah, um, well, maybe he'll be a generational talent to to be alongside the other generational talents we well, have. Well, listen, I think you know, <laughs> you know. Hopefully, you're referring to Kai Havertz there because he he absolutely is. I mean, I think he's an astonishing player, I, and he's not even really got going. I mean, we'll talk well, about him quite position, a bit. You know, yeah. and he's 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 hasn't got the players around him. Uh, you know, he's a player that we need to look at. You know, in three to six months' time, you know, really to see what he can do, but. You know, we'll come on and talk about it, but he's been involved in 26 goals in 2020. He's got 18, made eight assists. I mean, the guy's a, you know, a serious, serious talent. Yeah, I, I, and as you say, we'll come on to him later. But I also love the fact he looks calm all the time. He's calm. You can see him weighing things up and getting to understand the game, but we'll, we'll get to him. But back to, back to Mendy. I, I'm glad he's signed. Um, I would have thought it was interesting, the amount of people saying, get him in the side straight away. And um, of course, that's not going to happen. Um, but he could play in the cup against Spurs um, this week, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have a feeling that they need to integrate him sooner rather than later. I don't know how you feel, but... I think we need to get sight of him as soon as possible because I don't know whether uh, we can actually just put him straight into the team for a Premier League game. I think he needs to go in via the cup and then have a good game and everyone can go, yeah, now he goes in. Yeah. How do you feel? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's down to the manager, isn't it? I mean, the manager's got to, got to have confidence in him and got to have confidence that he understands what they're trying to do and understands the players in front of him and, and has some level of, of relationship with them. So, yeah, it makes sense to, to perhaps blood him uh, tomorrow night against Spurs and then have a, have a look at him against Palace if, if that all goes well. So, we've got the transfer window closing next Monday. Um, do you expect to see us do any more business? Are, are you happy with what we've done? And we surely need to get rid of some now, don't we? We need to get a few quid in. Well, I'd f- uh, very, very happy with what we've done. I don't, any, anybody that says we aren't happy with, with what we've done, and you know, I don't know what planet they're on. It's been an incredible uh, transfer window for us, um, and one that I think will have ramifications for a long time to come. Uh, will we do any more business? Well, there is the talk of Declan Rice, isn't there? Um, so we'll see. Uh, I don't know. I don't really like to speculate. I don't know about these things. W- would Declan Rice add something? Uh, he played. Very well in the last couple of games I've watched him play. You know, there is that element of we're buying him to be a centre-back when he's not a centre-back type of 
you know, sort of strange question. So, you know, I'll trust Frank Lampard on that one. If he if he thinks that he's the right player for that position and he wants to buy him, then then absolutely. Then then fill your boots. Let's see what happens. Uh, in terms of getting money in, I don't care. That's that's the club's business. I don't care about getting money in. It's, I don't think about the money. Anybody that thinks about the money is a bit weird. It's not your money. It's not, you know, it's, it doesn't affect us. If Roman Abramovich wants to spend his money or, you know, the club needs to get some money in, um, that's fine. I guess it impacts the financial fair play thing a little bit. But, you know, I presume there's a plan in place. So I don't get hung up on that. Um, should players leave for their own benefit? They probably should if they're not going to play. We should probably put some players out on loan. Um, other players... Probably aren't going to get anywhere near this side, that so so probably should leave. But again, that, that's up to them and the club. I, I'm more interested about who's coming in than leaving. Yeah, and I'm I'm more interested uh, about who's on that pitch and when we see certain players. So uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I I don't care what the club do with the money. If it's the right player, great. If it's the wrong player, get rid of. You know, it's a, people people who get hung up on the money are weird, aren't they? I mean, it's yeah, like, they really. Who cares? It's, it's, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, unless you're some, you know, forensic accountant who's going to sit down and tell me that, you know, we're going to get absolutely screwed on financial fair play and end up with another transfer window, then, then I'll listen. But if it's like, well, you know, we've spent all this money and, you know, we, we could... It's, why? Why? It's like, just buy the player and be happy about it. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Let, let's just go. Let's go and support the club. I don't care how the, the machinations work. You know, that's all we're trying to do is improve the team, and that, that's the be all and end all. Yeah. If we improve the team, you get happier, I get happier, and so do all the other miserable people out there. We all get happier. So the, yeah. the last time we did this, the last time that we uh, went out and. You know, made a really, really big statement in the transfer window in 2004 um, was the foundations for a decade of incredible success. Um, whether we can do that again, I don't know, but it's very, very exciting that we have put in some foundations that could lead to us re-establishing ourselves at the top table. So, you know, fingers crossed that'll work. And, you know, people need to calm down and relax and realise that this is a process and that it takes time to mature uh, and to embed and to figure out and, and you know, keep their eyes on the prize, which is the long game here, which is hopefully uh, in years to come, this will pay dividends and we'll be able to compete at the level we know we can. Yeah, and also, they're wise words, mate. Um, It's absolutely true. You know, people are already losing. That's why I was alluding to the whole thing at the beginning. You know, people are losing their minds over stuff where we're so in the infancy of seeing... Look, of course, I I think you... I I saw something that you wrote about, you know... we. We don't need to attack Frank, but we surely can critique him and and analyse what's going on because I, I think he's making mistakes as well as doing some really good things. He's learning and we have to... Look, you either give a manager time to learn certain things or you say, no, he's got to go. Now, I'm not going to go for the latter. I'm going to go with the former. I think he's having to discover ways of doing it. He's got the coach, new coaching in place for the defence. He's got Petr Cech in to, to be now helping out with the goalkeeping. He's aware where the problems are. Um, we just need to see how it becomes addressed. And I think we'll talk about that further on down the line about the defence and maybe leave it for the moment. But he's got to work out his jigsaw, doesn't he? Well, he does. And, you know, what I did say was those people that are calling for Frank Lampard's head after three Premier League games are idiots. There's no other word for them. They are just idiots. However... That's not to say that you can't critique, as you say, Frank Lampard. You can't sit there and and analyse and reflect and think about some of the things he's done, have an opinion on that. That's critique. That's not abuse. That's that's having an opinion and, and looking at it and going, is that good enough? And if you refuse to do that because he's Frank Lampard, you're also an idiot. Because, you know, you can't just go into this blindly and go, well, he's Frank Lampard, so therefore he's untouchable. There have to be... KPIs. They have to be key performance indicators. He has to have a set of targets that with this much money spent and this much resource given to him um, and the team that he's got, he has to have a set of targets that say this is the minimum that we expect from you. Just because he's Frank Lampard 
probably buys him more time than anybody else, but it doesn't mean that he gets to go along continually, um, you know, not progressing. We have to see progress. We have to see progress from him in the same way that we have to see progress from players. And if we don't see it, then we have to move on. But I think that's a long way down the line. It's not anything to worry about now. But I do think that, you know, those people, I mean, there was a couple of people, you know, who, who you know, were, were taking the opposite view of Frank, Frank Lampard out and basically saying, you can't criticise Frank Lampard or you can't criticise the team because he's Frank Lampard. And for me, that's just, that's just nonsense. I think that everybody uh, in that position, in that high profile role within a club the size of Chelsea is there to be critiqued. And, and, and that's very different to abuse. And, and if you don't know the difference between critique and abuse, then I can't, I can't help you any further no fair enough um i i agree with everything you said there so um well let's move on to the barnsley game um mm. now this was looking like uh, now we talked about oh we'll see youngsters play and and what have you but of course as we found out the youngsters are in a separate bubble to the first team squad mm. so he couldn't bring in any youth players and as he he said as well he needs some of his first team to really get some more minutes on a pitch so with that in mind the the side he chose we did you um have any thoughts about it was it surprising to you some of the people he picked of course immediately the first name that leapt out was Thiago Silva yeah, um, yeah, he came in. Obviously, Tamore got a start after his uh, strong performance in the second half um, against Liverpool. Um, uh, Emerson back, you know, he's a he's a forgotten man, isn't he? Uh, Barkley in the midfield, um, and and Callum getting a start as well. So. Yeah, uh, and Tammy obviously uh, up front. So, so yeah, so it was nice to see some of those faces. No, no really shocking surprises in there. But you know, some players that are there or thereabouts or on the fringes getting an opportunity to prove themselves and 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 going on and and having a very good game. It was such an odd game, though, wasn't it? Because we made quite a few mistakes at the back. They had chances galore all over the place. Willie made a lot of very good saves um, in a game that possibly you would have thought, well, this will be a quiet game defensively, and it proved to be anything but. I mean, OK, we overcame a lot of the problems, um, and there were individual mistakes, as we saw with Thiago Silva. Um, and we'll talk more about individual mistakes later, because sometimes you can do all the planning in the world, but if players do bad things and, and make a mistake, it doesn't matter how much coaching you've done. I mean, we'll talk about that later, I guess, but there were moments. It was, it was a little bit unnerving at times for me. Well, Thiago's real mistake came against West Brom, didn't it? It didn't, yeah. didn't really come in this game. Um, you know, he, he was okay in this game. So, um, well, no, know. he gave the ball once to them, which set up a, a, a really good yeah, attack, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, yeah but, it didn't, him, but it didn't result, what I'm saying is it didn't result in a, in a, yeah, in, in a no. thing. But yes, I mean, you're right, it was a bit rusty. I mean, they had nine shots on target, which is significant, as you say. You know, we only had 11. Um, we managed to score six goals, and they didn't. They didn't get any. So, um, yeah, it was a funny old game. Um, I thought we were pretty clinical. Probably could have had a few more, to be honest. Um, uh, the, the the real standout thing from this game was Havertz's hat trick. I think. Um, I thought he was. Uh, I thought he was amazing and looked ruthless uh, in front of the ball, which is which is great. It's his first hat trick. Um, first senior uh, hat trick. And did you know that in Germany, it, that wouldn't count as a hat-trick? Why? Because in Germany, it's only a hat-trick if it's left foot, right foot and header. Oh, that's nonsense, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. But that's how they, they play it. So he must be really happy he's over here because he's now got a hat-trick. Well, that's a perfect hat-trick. That's not a hat-trick. <laughs> Hey, go and speak with the German nation. Well, I will, as soon as I've finished <laughs> getting on the phone. Getting on the phone to Angela Merkel. And having a conversation. Angler, never mind the European Union and all of that. Never What's mind Brexit. left foot, right foot head of bollocks, Angler? <laughs> oh, I tell you, it, it's um, it, the other good thing so for me... So has he scored it, three goals in a, in a game in senior football? Or is it just a hat-trick? I mean, you know, the, the stat I read... No, he's never, his... scored, he's never scored our version of a hat-trick right, okay. in, in senior games. So, okay. no. But uh, to be fair, I would say absolutely spot on that he was he was clinical 
Um, he looked ruthless, I think was the word you just used. He looks to me, so he's one of those players, if he has the ball, more often than not, it will go in the net if he's within sight of it. Do you know only um, three players have been involved in more goals in the top five European leagues? Do you know who those three players are? Um, as Piliqueta. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, no. Lewandowski, yeah. Messi and Ronaldo. Yeah. I mean, he's in pretty good company there. So he's a show pony. Show pony, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I thought he was great. Listen, it's Barnsley. You know, we're not going to get you know overly excited about you know beating a team you know from a lower division in a in, in the EFL Cup, Carabao Cup. But you know, he can only play what's in front of him. And I thought the opportunities that he had, he took very well. I thought he looked composed. I thought he looked charismatic. I think he is the real deal. And I'm going to nail my colours to the mast on that one. And you can come back in a year's time if he has an absolute shocker, and and remind me of that. But you know everything I've seen from from when I've watched him play in Germany to, to to what I'm seeing him now in a new team playing slightly out of position on occasion just says to me he's the really really him and Werner are really really exciting. Obviously we haven't seen Zayek yet, so we'll yeah. And, and and what's really interesting is that um, I don't think he's even slightly got going yet, and no. and he's still finding his feet. Uh, but what you're seeing is. Here's a player who's got the talent. He he is going to do well. Um, the other good thing from the other night was getting, you know, th- there's a slight frustration that Werner's not off the mark, but conversely, we saw Tammy get off the mark. Um, yep. And I've been intrigued to see how Tammy um, fits in or works with everyone. I think he's, he was one of those players. He will become a better player. We could, I think he knows that he has to raise his game to survive, because if he needs, you don't he needs to be more ruthless, that that yeah, that that is the. I mean, he scored after nineteen minutes, got the first. But you know, the good thing about Tammy was the two assists. I thought that he got, you know, in the fifty fifth yeah. and sixty fifth minute. You know, the little step over uh, that he did, the the dummy for for Havertz's goal was was great. And I, I just think he's got great awareness. I just think we saw in the West Brom game when he missed that chance that he just needs to be really ruthless in front of goal and and that that's the area of his game above all else that he needs to to improve just to be more clinical because he's got everything he's got a little bit of pace he can hold the ball up he's awkward he's you know got great technique he just needs to be dead-eyed in front of goal yeah but at least he said after the West Brom game that was exactly what his problem was that he needs to address that issue so yeah. that's something you know he's not but, hiding you know, he, from it. he is a young player and he is learning and I think we do have to give players like Tammy Abraham time to, to develop that you know you know you can't argue that he he scored goals last season and and, and important goals uh, and played ex- extremely well last season he's going to be under pressure for a starting spot this season I think that will do him well I think he's got the mentality and the temperament to deal with that I don't think he's going to sulk I think he's going to fight for his place and when he gets his opportunity it's up to him to take it yeah, absolutely. I think he's another one who steps up to the plate. And actually, this will take the pressure off him. I actually think last year we saw him run out of steam and then he was getting injured because I think he just overplayed. Um, so this will take the pressure off him because I don't think he will play every game. Mm. Um, I think there'll be an amount of rota- rotation between them all. And I think it will do them all because this is potentially a very long season yeah, um, and intense as well. You know, I mean, w- we think it's bad. I mean, Tottenham are playing like every two days or whatever. Don't they play us on Tuesday and then again on Thursday and then again on Sunday or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it's going to be intense. And I think, we'll be able to keep most people happy through the season. The other person that's interesting, um, and I think you really saw the type of player he is and why he's great and then frustrating and then good and then frustrating, is Ross Barkley. Scored mm. a beautiful goal, then Mr. Sitter. Is it, I think you texted me and said... He's at an age now where he can't change. He is going to be this variable is kind of what you were saying. To be fair, that's my son's line. You know, my son said to me two things. He said that, you know, that that this is Ross Barkley now. You know, that you're not going to get another Ross Barkley. He's not going to develop, you know. So, so you know, I think that, that was quite insightful. And he also said, you know, the thing about Ross is that he... You know, he does do this really good stuff. You know, he does look really good. He can be dynamic. He does make things happen on occasion, but he's just not efficient enough with the ball. 
You know, he just doesn't, with the ball at his feet, he's not efficient enough. You know, the passes that go astray, the times he gets caught in possession, you know, they do almost counterbalance the good stuff that he, do, that he does, you know. And if you're going to be the kind of player that's going to hold down a starting place in a midfield of a team the level of Chelsea, you've got to be more efficient with the ball. And I, I just find it maddening. I mean, I thought that, it was, but it was my son who kind of clarified and articulated you know, my, my frustrations with Ross. It's about efficiency and, and I just don't think he has it. He does make things happen. He does he does, you know, he did he does score, which he did, and you know, he can create things, um and he can be dynamic and he and he can be a tempo player and all those things are important. But if you give the ball away in difficult areas or you don't track or your passes go astray or you miss chances, you know, all of that kind of outweighs the good stuff for me. I just don't think we're going to see Ross reached the level that perhaps we thought we would when we signed him. And I know that's harsh, but that's that's watching him for a couple of years now. And I, I've just, you know, I've just come to that conclusion now. But he is a player you keep in the squad, isn't he? Because if he's he... happy to be in the squad, I mean, if he's happy to be the kind of player that will get games like this or come as an impact sub, um, uh, you know, as you say, it's a long season. You know, if the manager says to him, look, you're probably not going to start every game, but we will use you sparingly throughout the season and you will have a very specific role. I mean, in baseball terms, you know, we'll go to the bullpen uh, and pull out, a, you know, a closing pitcher. You know, if, if you're going to be that kind of player... What on earth does any of that mean? It means that... It, in a baseball game, you know, when it gets to the very end of the game, obviously if you've got a pitcher that's been pitching, you know, the guy that throws the ball, the pitcher, you know, the whole game, his arm's going to be tired. So at the end of the game, you would go to what's called the bullpen when they've all been warming up and bring out a fresh pitcher with a fresh arm who's going to come on and close the game out for you. You know, and if Barkley's going to be the kind of player that can come on after 70 minutes and, you know, play 20 minutes of high-tempo football and and do what Ross does, you know, to close a game out and perhaps nick it, then, then, then yeah, of course I'd keep him in the squad. But I, don't, I wouldn't keep him in the squad as an as a automatic start in midfield. Well, that, that's, I, I think that's one of um, Frank's biggest dilemmas, is working out that midfield. And I, I do think it, everything's changing from game to game. You know, one minute you've got, Kante, Jorginho and Kovacic. Next, you've got Kante on his own. Then you've got Kante and Kovacic. Uh, then you've got Kante on his own. Um, he's really trying to work out the balance. Um, and I think, I think people like Ross Barkley, they're, they're not going to feature in whatever the midfield ends up being. And I'm talking about that sort of defensive position, the, the, the single pivot, the double pivot, the triple pivot. Um, too well, much it, it pivoting. seems to me, it seems to me that, you know, and maybe I'm just, you know, being very simplistic about it, but the front three is going to be, when they're all fit, Pulisic, Werner, Zayek. The midfield three is going to be Kante, Havertz, and then Mount slash Kovacic or um, Kante slash Mount, depending on the game. And the back four is still a bit of a disaster zone that needs sorting out. But, you know, if you look at that midfield that I've just said, Barkley doesn't get anywhere near it. You know, Ruben Loftus-Cheek doesn't get anywhere near it. Billy Gilmore, when he comes back from injury, he's got work to do. So, you know, yes, there will be room for these players to play. But, you know, I think there's only maybe four four players that can get into that midfield week in, week out, if they're all fit. I agree. Because I don't and think I've... Jorginho is, is going to be in, in, a lot of, in a lot of those midfields either. You know, unless no. it's a very specific game because he's a very specific player. Yeah, I agree. And we need to work out the right players to connect the midfield and the attack. Um, Once think... we start playing Havertz as a 10 with, with three players ahead of him, you know, when you've got two proper out-and-out wingers, a proper out-and-out striker and Havertz as a 10, then you'll start to see Chelsea Football Club tick. Yeah, uh, and I think Mount will be in and around yeah, I do. pretty much I, I, all I season. Think, they think, connect yeah. well already. They've got they an understanding. So uh, He likes uh, Mount because Mount's a workhorse and Mount, Mount's got energy and he trusts him and he trusts his decision-making. And, you know, if you're a manager, you need players that you can trust. And he knows that, you know, that, that Mount will go over the barricades and give him 100%. You know, he knows that there's, he's, there's no quarter given with him. So, I mean, I totally get why, why he... Why he loves Mount, and I'm a, I'm a big Mount fan as well. I just think that there's going to be some competition between those kind of four four key players that I mentioned. I think I agree. I totally agree. I think he just has to work out how he sets it up behind 
that front and I think that's one of his main concerns um, okay the the last point from the Barnsley game I'd like to mention is that Giroud came on and scored such a Giroudy goal just to remind us and go yeah well, whenever you bring me on I'll probably score a goal it, it was classic wasn't it the classic Giroud goal yeah, yeah. it's uh, you know again my son saying the only other player in the world that would you know would, that you, you'd absolutely bank on scoring that goal and the only other player is probably Harry Kane it was a bit of a Harry Kane goal um, but you know a, apart from that yeah I mean Giroud does what Giroud, what Giroud does and he seems to be very happy to be coming on and playing playing that part and you know he's another player that's not going to start ahead of Werner and Abraham you know to be honest he's going to be third choice striker but you know in certain games where we need to you know maybe need to make something happen or we need to lump the ball into the box or we need someone to hold it up then he's a great player to play on if he's happy to play that role then I'm delighted that he'll stay yeah he he offers options you yeah. know and that that's what you want you want when we're now in the uh, the time of this Chelsea squad whereby the backup players need to be good enough to probably be first team players elsewhere mm-hmm. um so it's all about separating the wheat from the chaff and making sure that you can find a way to keep them all happy what um, you need is backup players that when they come on you don't think it's a downgrade yeah, you know, exactly. you actually you actually think it's a, an interesting new option. I mean, if you look at those teams that do have lots of backup, Man City, United, Liverpool to a degree, um, you know, you, when those players come on, you think, oh, that, that, that that's not a downgrade. That's just a, a you know a, a new bit of thinking or a new option. You know, as with some of our players, I have to say, when they come on, you think, oh, well, okay, that's not as good as what they're replacing. You need you need those kind of light for light replacements. Yeah, but we we're getting closer with the we people we've We are getting bought. a lot closer, a yeah. lot closer. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. No, I'm, not, I'm not slagging off any individual yeah. players. I just think we're not at the point now we were 2004, 2005, where, you know, you take Makaleli off, you put Bessien on, you know, it's that kind of yeah. situation. You take Drogba off, you put an Elker on. You know, it's, it's you know, you get, you know, you've got those brilliant light-for-light replacements where you just think, oh, yeah, well, that's, that's you know, that's just as good. I mean, I'm, if I was an opposition player, I'd be terrified with that sub coming on. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that that concludes our discussion about the Barnsley game, and it's now time for this commercial break. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Right, we're back. And now we're going to have to get to the nitty-gritty of the weekend, West Brom away, and start having a look at the case for the defence, I think. Um, Surprises for you and the team uh, at all in that one, Andy? Well, no Kepa, obviously. So, uh, Willy Caballero came in in goals. Um, Christensen and Silver in the middle. Um, he seems to like that. Marcus Alonso was the one for me. I didn't get that. Didn't understand why he's playing Marcus Alonso when you've got Aspilicueta on the bench. Don't get it. Um, Kante, Kovacic, Mount, you know, as a, as, as a midfield. Um, you know, well, that's fine by me. That's fine. And then Havertz, Werner, Abraham. Um, or you could say Mount Havertz, you know, whichever one you want to say played in midfield. Didn't seem that obvious to me. Um, there was a bit of fluidity there. Um, and But if you look at the team on paper, you think that should be enough. That should be enough to, you know, to, to, to put in a performance. But what, what an awful first half. It was it was one of the worst first halves I think I've seen in ages, um, probably since oh, I don't know about six or seven games ago. Um, it look the, you can see that work is going on on defensive shape and trying to change the way we set up at free kicks and corners, um, but until a 
you've got the back four that he feels happy and settled with things that mistakes are going to happen or people are not going to pick people up uh, and b if players commit such horrendous individual mistakes all coaching goes out the window so well you say that you say work's been going on right but let's have a look at you know at, at, at the first goal um which was a mistake by alonso initially who headed it back into a dangerous area but then you look at where reese james was you know reese james is piled up the pitch presumably with instructions to move forward there's a massive gap down in our right back position Reese James comes charging back because he's got the pace to get back but the player picks the ball up Reese James isn't set hasn't got the time to get set and the opposition player uh, is able to you know to to um, you know to slot home Robinson and and it was you know it just was a disaster and that and that can be anticipated yep. if it breaks down what is phase two what is phase three that for me that's coaching that's coaching what happens if it break if the play breaks down what's phase two and phase three of, of our defensive strategy and what happened is it broke down. And there was no thought gone into what happens when it breaks down. You know, it's basically sorted out, lads. And I think that you've got to have cover from midfield. If Reese is up, there's got to be cover in that right-back position. And there wasn't. Let's look at the corner. Now, you look at the corner and you say, OK, so he's gone with a kind of mix of, of, a, uh, of, of zonal and man-to-man marking. All right, that's fine. I understand that. But then you look at it and you freeze it and you go, what's Mount's role in this? Because Mount doesn't seem to have anybody. He doesn't seem to be zonal and he doesn't seem to be picking anybody up. And more importantly, what's Rhys James's role in this? Because Rhys James is zonal, but he's standing in a position, he's not on the back post, he's not on the penalty spot. Where is he standing? And of course, the, come, the, the ball comes in, everybody goes to the ball, which is really very under 15s, and then the ball lands and Rhys James is ball watching and plays everybody on side. So you can say, oh, there's work gone into the defence. But it isn't executed, and you can maybe say the players didn't execute it, but again, you know, this has happened time and time again. So you have to drill them, and they didn't look drilled. They did not look as if they were drilled to within an inch of their lives about what happens if the play breaks down. So I still have major issues with the coaching. I, I, I would agree with all of that, but I would also say that the problem is and this will certainly come down for, to coaching, on that first goal, where Alonso gives the ball away. If you look, Reese James is is like a right winger. He is so far that's forward. What I just said, he's mate. Scre- yeah, but he's so screwed because he's gone so early. But that's what I just that, literally just said. Yeah. So how on earth can he be that far forward? It does one simple mistake damage the whole of our defence? Because that, that's what I'm I'm curious about is... Yeah. How on earth can he, you know, okay, I get the fact that they're probably playing percentage football here, thinking there's no way there'll be a stupid mistake because there's no one to challenge. Um, and then that happens and then everything looks horrendous, which it is. The the corner situation, Reese James is obviously, as you say, marking zonally, but the, the man who scores is Alonso's man. They're standing together. And Alonso just doesn't go with him. He just lets him go on his own. And that's a player error. Yeah, I, I put yeah. that down to a player error. You've got to pick it up. The other, the other thing, of course, is there's a man absolutely free on the edge of the box. And, and yep. the man free on the edge of the box is not even seen, I don't think. You know, there's no contingency for that. Um, so these are things that, you know, even as a, you know, the most basic coaching that I've done of kids... You know, you 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 know, you do say to kids, if there's a man on the box, this is your job. You know, I mean, you have to hand hand him over, hand him on, and then you you take the responsibility. The ball had gone to the back post. There's nobody there. I think just just you know, if if you want you know, if you want to depress yourself, go and look at the highlights and freeze it, <laughs> freeze it as the ball comes over, and have a look at where the Chelsea players are. And, and, and what their trigger movements are. And the trigger movements are all towards the ball, which allows the man on the edge of the box to move. It allows Azpilicueta to, uh, to lose his man. And it means that Rhys James is left in no man's land ball watching. It's not good. It's not good. Yeah. And it needs to be sorted out. Yeah. And, and I still maintain at this moment in time, the worst offenders look like fullbacks. Um, and now we saw a sight of uh, Chilwell in the Barnsley game. Um, <clears throat> do you know if he had a knock or something? Because I, w- I was surprised that we didn't see him even on the bench against West Brom. Because um, he looked quite him, useful. He's still, I, don't, I don't know if he's got a knock, but he's, he's, um, he's, he's still coming back from a fairly serious injury. So maybe he's just giving him some game time, letting him recover. 
bringing back. I mean, it's probably sensible. I don't know is the answer. Yeah, but he I looks mean, quite useful. the sooner he comes in, the better. That, that's exactly my point. Well, because he put a cross in for Giroud's goal, didn't he? So. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you know, for me, Alonso is such a troublesome player because once he gets caught out, that yellow card that he got because he was completely, you know, the the guy just walked past him. Really, you know, there was no chance of him catching up with him. But when he gets that mindset where he gets the hump. I, I said he's going to get sent off if he stays on for the second half. Um, I my think pro- my Alonso- problem is that they can't play in a four. They're not no. right back and left back. Reese James is, to use your word, troublesome as a defender. Yep. I don't think that he has the mindset. Yeah, you know, probably has the ability, but he doesn't have the mindset and the and the muscle memory to play as a right back. He's a wing back, and Alonso's the same. Alonso and Reese James in 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 a back three are excellent because their movement up the pitch, their touch, their ability to get the ball in, you know, their their you know their vision, all of that stuff is brilliant. When once they're over the halfway line, but when they're in our half, they're both liabilities. They're liabilities in a back four. You know, I'm sorry to say, I know there's a lot of love out there for Rhys James, and I, I do think he's an exceptional player uh, with exceptional potential. But we, he has to learn how to play in a back four. He needs to be coached how to play in a back four, because at the moment, I have major concerns. I mean, Alonso's dead man walking. As soon as Chilwell's fit, Alonso's, Alonso's not really going to get you know get anywhere near that uh, left-back berth. Um, you know, he'll be used as a, uh, you know, if he, if he stays, he'll be used as a squad player, I think, you know, with Azpilicueta and, and Chilwell ahead of him. Um, but, you know, it, it, that left back, right back position in a four is a big issue. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's it's something that's coming to light the more we see them play. And both of them at this moment in time remind me of what happened with Victor Moses. You know, I mean, he ended up with no career at Chelsea because we went to a back four and he couldn't no. play in a back four. He's so, a wing back. Yeah. I, James well, he was I'd a say, winger that was turned into a wing back. Yeah. Yeah. You but know, at least Rhys James, James is a defender, you know, so. And he's young enough to learn. But I hope so. To, but to learn, someone needs to coach him. Exactly. That that's I, I would agree with that. Now, centrally, you know, we, we had sight of Tamori and Silver against Barnsley looking pretty okay together. Again, problems were more from the flank or an individual mistake here and there. Um, so were you surprised that suddenly Christensen comes in against West Brom? Um, and does this mean that actually the next game we'll see Silver and Zuma? Is he still trying to discover through game time who his centre-back pairing is? Um, how do you feel about the way it, it, it's obvious that he is going to set his stall out to start Silver? Silver is going to be one of his main players, so he's now looking for A and other to join him. Yeah, um, we're, not, we're not going to judge Thiago Silver by no. his horrific mistake no, that he not. made against West Brom. I mean, the mistakes, mate, mistakes happen. I mean, you know, we have to just draw a line under that and move on. I mean, the, the key. The key here is don't keep making the same mistakes, you know. And you know yeah. we can we can forgive anybody a mistake, however bad it is. But if you keep making the same mistakes, it becomes an issue. I don't think he will. He's a hugely experienced, very talented footballer. So I think he will stick with Silva, and I think Silva does bring a calmness and a maturity, or will bring a calmness and a maturity that back four that we that we know he will. The, the issue is who plays next to him. But he needs to decide that he can't keep chopping and changing it. We need a settled back four. Um, and we need a, you know, once we now, now we've got a new goalkeeper, we need to have a first choice back four because they need to learn to play together. They need to get that telepathic understanding that all the really good back fours have about where to be and who covers who. And if you keep chopping and changing it, it just makes it difficult. I know there are, uh, there is competition for places back there with Tamori and Christensen, Zuma. Um, but he has to settle on who he wants. And I know that maybe in certain games you want a little bit more pace to counter uh, the deficiencies of, of uh, Thiago Silva's age, and I understand that, but he's got to start making decisions because at the moment it's chopping and changing too much. I, I totally agree. Um, I thought that just maybe he'd have seen enough from Tamori with him to go, OK, we'll give them a run of games. But he changed to Christensen, which would imply that out of all of them, Christiansen is the one he's going to bank on. No. Um, Tomorrow wasn't know. great against Barnsley. No, he, again, it's wasn't. that classic. He, it wasn't. He, he had two or three classic. mistakes. Two or three mistakes in him, which we've always said, you know. Yeah, and that, this is the thing. It just so frustrated me that the first one he did, um, and I went, "Oh no!" 
after everything we say, he just goes and proves the case in point. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. I think he's going to go for Christensen alongside him. That that seems to be for a while anyway, but I totally agree. Pick, t- we need continuity, especially in the defence. You know, there's going to be enough mixing and matching up front anyway when everyone's fit and he'll be, you know, nipping and tucking the side and, and what have you. We can't have it all over the pitch. That one thing is, I absolutely agree with you, get your goalkeeper in place, get your back four in place, Everything else will drop into place once everyone goes, it's okay, the boys at the back will deal with this. You know, that's what we're missing, that confidence in defenders. Check um, Ferreira, Terry, Carvalho, Cole. Oh, you know, God. When, like when, we, the, when we had that, it was like you knew that was going to be the defence and the goalkeeper. You knew that we wouldn't concede any goals, that, you know, that the, the Stanford Bridge would be a fortress because those players knew how to play each other. The, the defence was sorted. It was up to everybody else up front to, you know, to win the games. Yeah. You know, when you say those names in that order, it's like the sound of sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and hopefully but, we can get that again, you know, with a bit of tweaking and a bit of, you know, a bit of patience and a bit of development. And as you and we say, you know, some, some really good coaching, we can get to a point where, you know, it can be, hopefully, you know, Mendy, James... Uh, you know, probably silver, not long term, but you know, one of the others and chill well. You know, I mean, it's the way to go, isn't it? That's the problem. Yeah, for there sure. is a way to go, and we have to be patient. So, who would you pick alongside silver and get, say, right, the next five, six games are for you two? Well, our is best defender, our best defender alongside silver is Zuma, I think. You know, I think he's the best centre back, you know, uh, of, of the others. But does he, does he offer enough? counterbalance to what silver is you know does he will he be able to cover has he got the pace has he got the ground you know the groundwork that we need uh, I it's very difficult um I, i'd probably i probably would go for christensen i probably would um and hope that both of them raise their game because i think together that's the sort of obvious partnership with the complementary skills that they bring i also think for christensen this is his opportunity this is it he's now going to he can't look around and go well you know I don't gel with so and so he does this he does that he's alongside an established defender who he has finally got someone he can look up to and accept as an international defender who's done so much in the game this is his opportunity to show that he is a man that we always thought when we first saw him we talked about him being a future captain of Chelsea mm. and it's been so stuttering over the last few years and you know he's been unhappy about not playing all the time well now isn't this the opportunity for somebody to go I am the center half that is going to play alongside Thiago Silva this job is mine and it seems to me that he is the the person who has been elected to potentially start to prove that mm. and he needs to do that he does. right this, now this, this is not a drill this is not a drill it's not practice games anymore this, this is the real deal every game is an audition now every game you have to do it you're not a kid you're not a development player anymore you're a blooded premier league player you need to go out there and prove that you're good enough to hold down a position in the middle of chelsea's defense for years to come or move on and we'll find someone else because we can't keep doing this one step forward, two steps backward thing. No. All right. So, look, we, we, we get to a stage against West Brom. We're 3-0 down. Mm. Um, and you're going, they could score more if they carry on. Uh, and Frank changed it up. Um, were you surprised at his substitutions? And were you surprised that here is yet another game where we're having to make tactical substitutions at half time of a game which implies that the starting 11 was not right um yeah i mean i think i think that that's that's true and, and obvious to be honest that um that he had to do that thank I mean, you he, um i mean i think he bought on aspiliqueta for for alonso and he bought on callum for kovacic and both of those were good substitutions and alonso was a disaster i think we probably just needed a bit more forward thrust. i don't think kovacic had a terrible game but i think we needed a, a, a bit more forward thrust which you know hudson Adoy definitely proved i mean that was a great second half from hudson Adoy. Um, and then he brought Giroud on in the 73rd minute. So credit to Frank for, for, for doing that. I don't think that they were particularly out of the 
box thinking substitutions. I think that you know they were they were pretty obvious, but you know he still had to do them, and he did. Um, Callum Hudson Odoi was the interesting one because it could have gone either way, couldn't it? He could have been another anonymous, uh, timid game from from Hudson Odoi, but he you know I thought he he was exceptional when he came on. One thing I'd say about Callum is, and we talked about it a lot, that he's not doing what he needs to do when he's come on. He's looked less lacklustre. Well, to be fair, the one thing we saw that was different was that he was allowed to play on the left this time. Yeah. And it was a revelation remembering what he was like when we first saw him on the left. And I, I just think he's one of those players, you play him out of position at your peril, you will not get what you need out of him. He, he was fantastic on the left. That is the boy that we were all desperate to sign a new contract and not go to Bayern Munich, potentially. Well, well the interesting thing about him being on the left was not, was not just being on the left, but taking people on on the left. Because yeah. the problem with him playing on the left in recent recent times is that he just cuts inside, and it's easy to defend against. You just put two men on him, you know, and he cuts inside, runs into traffic. When he takes people on, he becomes a completely different player, and I think that that's confidence. And you know what I've said about CHO in recent times is he just doesn't look like he likes playing football. He just doesn't look like he enjoys it, and there's no joy in his game. And I think that there was a little bit of a spark about him on, uh, you know, on Saturday. And I think that it really, it really showed. And that's the player. And I, I want to see him do that. I want to see him string it together. I want to see him put a bunch of consistent performances together before I start saying he's the second coming, because I still got reservations about his mentality and his temperament and his fitness. Um, but if he can string that together and prove that he wants it and that he deserves it, and that he can impact a game when he comes on, nobody will be happier than me. No, absolutely. Well, I just think it looks like, bring him on, bring him on on the left. That's where it works for him. It's just where his comfort zone is. And no more and auditions. He's another one. Bit like, yeah. um, you know... Uh, Christensen. A bit like Christensen. There's no more auditions. You've got to do it now, Callum. You have to. You've been given your opportunity. You've got to grab it with both hands, and you've got to prove that you can take a position off a of Christian Pulisic or Zayek. Because they, they're going to be in front of you at the moment. Yeah. And you'd, you'd have to say that Werner and Havertz kind of had quietish games. But little things they did. They, they were just magical. The way Havertz is just so calm in the middle there. And, and he just pushes the ball through. He's intelligent, isn't he? No, he's, he's very thoughtful. intelligent. Yeah. yeah, really good. You know, another assist for him. You know, uh, I just think he's... I can't say it enough. When we put the players around him and we start purring, he's going to be a, a, an exceptional player. I really believe that. And yeah, and Werner, I'm all right. He missed a, you know, missed a really good opportunity. I mean, that's the thing. You know, we could have, we could have had two goals in the first half if Abraham and and Werner hadn't missed their chances. So, you know, it is it is about ruthlessness as well. You know, we do talk about the, um, you know, we do talk about the defence. Uh, a lot but you know we've also got to be really ruthless about things yeah I agree and somebody who looks as though his head never goes down is Mason Mount and his goal set us on the way I was I was looked like a deflection didn't it but it really there was no one near it 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 did because of the way the flight of the ball was really odd it was almost like it had hit a knee and gone up it was incredible wasn't it the goalkeeper didn't move either did he which always is an indication of a deflection but um but you know, it didn't. It was uh, it was great. Yeah, uh, and he he looks made for this company. He he looks that he has to really be pleased with how he's thriving. He's responded to the quality of player around. Now we know that top players will either show up players who are not good enough, or will raise other players' games. Yeah, um, he needs to add assists and goals to his game. But you know, otherwise he's. He's fantastic, you know, and I think he will. I think if he starts to up, up his goal count and his assist count, then I think that he becomes a special player. And at the moment, he's a good player. He needs to be a great player. Yeah, I, I'd agree. And um, and and it was it was great to see, you know, our three goals come from, you know, academy players. Yeah, and, you know, absolutely. Mount Hudson Adoy and, and Tammy Abraham. And, yeah. and Callum's goal was was a, a thing of beauty, Beautiful. wasn't it? I mean, yeah, lovely, th- lovely build up and great finish. That is the sign of what we've got to come. Yeah. You know, these players have played together with each other for two and a half weeks or something. I've, you know? I've got no doubt that we're going to score a ton of goals. My concern is whether we're going to let in more. You know, I think that's most people's concern. I don't think we've got any, any doubts that we've got the firepower to bang goals in. It's a question of whether we can stop them in the other end. 
Well, you know, at least we've got players ready, you know, already bought. We're just waiting for them to get up to speed and fitness yeah. to drop in and hopefully give us some answers. It's not like last year where you and I are scratching our heads, getting angry about going, oh, Rudiger's not the one. Oh, no, mm. Rudiger is the one. Oh, Zuma's not the one. Where's oh, Rudiger? Zuma is... Well, he, he, I, think, I think he's gone. You know, it's, it's ironic, isn't it? Bless him that he was the one who welcomed Werner and Havertz to the club and was apparently quite helpful in getting them over here as well. Um, yeah, I, I think he's, uh, I think he's a he's turned into Christian Panucci. Ooh, um, do you remember when Christian Panucci, yeah. when I think it was Ranieri came and mm. the first person to meet him was Panucci and blah, 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 was was showing him around and everything. And he was the first person who ended up going. Um, well, he ended up having a great career, Panucci. And I, I hope that, yeah. you know, that, that Rudiger does the same if he does go, because I, I do think he's a classy player. He's probably just not a classy player for us. I just think he's a player out of time with us at the moment. Yeah, maybe. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I, I think he might go by Monday. Yeah. Um, but but we'll see. So, yeah, all in all, it was an incredible fight back, really. Yeah, um, I mean, you've got to be pleased with the fight back. I mean, look, big problems, papering over cracks. You can say say what you want, you know, at, at this stage. But the, the key thing is not to drop too many points. I've always said our season starts after the international break when we get players back. You know, when players get back, let's start judging this team. At the moment, we're, you know, we're just blagging it a little bit. Yeah, and look, things could be worse. We could be Man City. <laughs> yeah, <So>. exactly, yeah. <laughs> All right, so this week we've got coming up um, Tottenham Hotspur. Mm. And then we've got Crystal Palace. Mm. Um, cup game. Do you think, because also it is the, the last week before the internationals, that we're going to get a pretty strong side again? To, tomorrow against I think, I think we'll put a strong side out. I'm not sure Spurs will, you know, and I think that, that that'll be interesting. Um, but I think it's a cup game. Who knows? You know, and it's Tottenham. And, you know, everybody raises their game when they play Tottenham. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be an interesting game. Lampard against Mourinho as well. You know, Lampard, you know, has got a bit of a hoodoo over Mourinho, hasn't he? So, you know, it's, it's um, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see who plays uh, and whether we can, you know, start to show some progress on those areas that we know we need to. So, Mendy, does he start, or do you think we won't see him until after the international break? Feels like Caballero. Feels like Caballero. It's, it's, it's his kind of game, isn't it, the, the Carabao Cup? But you never know. You never know. He may play him. He may say, do you, do, you fancy, do you fancy a game in a, you know, sort of fairly meaningless cup, Edward? And, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, we might see. I hope we do. I mean, I hope we do see him because there's no reason why we shouldn't. It's not like he has to learn intricate, you know, strategic plays in midfield. He just needs to stand in goal and catch crosses, really, doesn't he? Catch the ball, kick the ball. Exactly. It's very simple. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I think he'll start. All right, good. I, I, I think tomorrow night is change overnight. Um, or we go, oh, my God, how much do we spend for him? Yeah. <laughs> we will see. And then we've got Palace, who are an odd side for us, aren't they? They, mm. they, they have a female. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, um, and they've been playing quite well. They were unlucky against Everton at the weekend. Yeah, yeah they have been um, playing well. He's got, he's got a good side getting together there. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they play to their strengths. You know, they're, they're a team that, that have, you know, limited quality, for want of a better word. But collectively, they're a good unit and, and they play to those strengths. So we've got to work hard to, you know, make sure that they don't hit us on the counter, which is what they do. And uh, we we are ruthless in front of goal because I think the the one area where they are they do have some weaknesses at the back so we need to really you know make sure that we're on our A game because we can't take teams like Palace for granted and we need to win no. these games we have to if we're going to have any you know sort of chance of of you know of, of doing well in the top four this year we've got to win games like Crystal Palace yeah absolutely all right well we're out of time so what are your predictions please I'd like to think we can beat Spurs I think it'll be I think they'll probably score, so let's say 2-1. Um, and I think Palace, I'm hoping that some of the jigsaw pieces click into place and, and that we put in a really good performance, because we do a good performance. So I'm going to say 3-0. 
Okay, I'm going to go Mendy in goal, saves a penalty in the ninth minute. Um, we go, he is obviously God, um, and he saves us all from disaster, and we win 3 0 at Tottenham. And then Palace, he keeps his place, and we win three. Well, I'll go, you've gone 3 0. I'll go, I'll go 2 0. So it's going to be a great week, Andy. Excellent. (laughs) Right. So um, if anyone wants to get in touch with us, how can they best do it, please? Uh, Twitter and Instagram are probably the best places. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us on at uh, Chelsea Podcast. Um, You can follow me on Mr. A. Saunders. You can follow Kerry on at Kerry Levy 1. Sorry, at Kerry Levy, which is uh, C-E-R-I-L-E-V-Y. Uh, at Kerry Levy, that's Twitter, and on Instagram it's uh, at the Chels Podcast. Um, I'm at One True Saunders, and Kerry is Kerry Levy One, C E R I L E V Y One. If you want to direct messages or you want to just feedback, tell us what you think. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Brilliant. Well, that wraps it all up for another week. Uh, have a great week. Enjoy the football, and we'll see you all next week. Take Cheers, then. Bye. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at chelseapodcast.net. Sports Social Podcast Network.